Welcome to... I forgot the name of our podcast. <laughs> okay. Uh, listener, we're having a little bit of technical difficulties because we have now dragged Sandra into the pit of Apple technology. Yes. And she's struggling we a little. We were supposed to start recording an hour ago. Here we are. <laughs> Here we are. From the Bleachers. Welcome to From the Bleachers, a real housewives game analysis. I am Sandra. I am Mandy. And we are recapping season four, or we are analyzing the plays in season four, episode 12 of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City today. And did you notice the episode title? I saw that clearly the producers had heard you made an apology rubric. So they gave us this entire episode of Icy Apologies. I am so grateful for this chance to really put our new apology rubric to work. And I can't wait to really thaw these apologies out. I like what you did there. Okay. So, oh, and also I noticed Mandy. Yeah. Yeah. I've got Bovo pigtails because (laughs) I really missed Vovo in this episode. We had no Vovo. So if you came here just to hear about her, sorry. She was there in spirit and she's here in spirit. And I appreciate that you come to the podcast. Just like I will. I will try to not go batshit crazy on you during our recording (laughs) in honor of Vovo. Okay. So the first thing we get in this episode is a flashback to previous play. Meredith and Seth recording their podcast hanging by a thread with Whitney and Justin. We see Whitney telling Justin at a dinner that she sees his wedding ring in a drawer every day and that hurts her. Lisa is telling the other players that she's trying to build a friendship back with Meredith, but there's a voice in her head telling her to pump the brakes. Heather tells Monica they should go to Bermuda for her birthday, but first she has to make up with Lisa. And then, of course, we get our flashback to the confrontation play with Monica at the Pioneer Lunch, and they conveniently leave out that Lisa was involved in that confrontation play as well, so we know which way the producers are going with this. And Heather telling Monica that she's being crazy, and Angie standing up and yelling, Opa, and breaking the glass. And then, of course, we have our choir and our mountains that just settles us in for what we know is going to be an amazing Salt Lake City episode. We are at Angie's house and Heather is over and they cheers to Pioneer Day and say they could use a drink after that event. And Heather asks when it went left, like she doesn't know. Because she hasn't seen that on every single social media platform over the last week. Who knew? Yes, it was. In fact, they decide that when Heather started the who would you kick off your wagon game, which I believe I gave my I gave her my play of the game for that. And you did, too. Oh, I think we both did. I don't (laughs) think I don't think it's possible to deny and nobody could argue that we get a flashback to Lisa kicking Monica off her wagon because she's nasty to women. And Heather says Monica's behavior was weird. She ITMs. You never know what you're going to get with Monica. She can be up, happy, and charming. She can be angry and vicious and mean. And she can be detached and vacant. And we get some edited in clips for examples of each of those Monica moods. And then Heather correctly recognizes that Monica's play style mirrors that of Jen Shaw, R.I.P. Jen Shaw, which is what we've been saying. So Heather's been listening, I think. Yeah, that. It's, she's got that same like victim play style and they both go hard on the confrontation play. Yes. But then they're always the victim in the end. They always bring it around and it's, you kind of feel like you're on a roller coaster with them. Heather says she's been burned in the past, 
by Jen Shaw, and she does not want to make the same mistakes again with Monica. Heather tells Angie she's worried about the trip. She doesn't want Pioneer Day Part 2 to happen in Bermuda, and they decide Heather should talk to Monica before the trip, and Meredith's jewelry event is a good time to do this. Angie says everyone has been invited to this event but her which she says she's fine with. And she does actually seem kind of fine with it. Like, you know, <laughs> she portrays a like, whatever, I'm hurt, but whatever. But this Angie not fixing things with Meredith yet, and therefore getting iced out of Meredith's plated jewelry event was my error of the game. Oh, I wondered if that was going to be your error. Angie, I feel like she needs to figure out how to give a good enough apology play. This was the the episode of Icy Apologies <laughs> to Meredith to get back at least enough in her good graces that she isn't getting iced out of filming things because this is all we saw of her for the entire episode. So she needs to figure out what Meredith needs to move on and she needs to fix it. Um, I honestly don't even remember what she did that pissed Meredith off in the first place, which means that this has been going on for too long. It's funny because at Palm Springs, she was really up in Meredith. Meredith's grill in a couple of different scenes, both at the dinner out and they were like at a bar or something. So, but I don't know what preceded that. I can't remember why Meredith was the recipient of Angie's intensity at those times. So, yeah. So we end with Heather saying the trip is hanging in the balance. Truly. And this is a lie. It's the cast trip and everyone has to go on the cast trip. Heather had some nice moments of insight in this scene. I think her insight into herself that she is attracted like a moth to the fire to Mm. these personality types. I thought that was a really nice awareness on her part. Awareness play? Awareness play. Insight play. You only only want a sprinkle of self-awareness play. Otherwise, we won't get a lot of the other good stuff we get. (laughs) A sprinkle is all we need. And then we cut to Whitney and Justin and they're driving in their Tesla and they apparently are coming home from therapy and they're talking about, they can't decide if it makes it better or worse whenever they go to therapy. Mm. I think a lot of people, when they go to therapy, have that sort of Mm. feeling like everything is so stirred up. Whitney even uses the phrase, the therapist is stirring the pot. Oh boy. That's fire stoking play on the part of the therapist. I know the absent, (laughs) absent bystander of the week. I don't know. But they agree that, you know, it's it's harder in the short term, but better in the long term. Justin says, though, that his favorite thing is actually talking it through with other couples. And we get a little bit of a flashback to their podcast with Seth and Meredith. Yep. Good. Another good promo for hanging by a thread. Just right. Mer- Meredith somehow just manages to keep getting them in there. She's got the best. So this whole episode actually is a lot of Meredith Marks empire. Yes. It's a big commercial for Meredith Marks. And I was all over her website after the episode. So were you looking at her jewelry? Were you looking at the low end or I the high started, end jewelry? I started at the jewelry. <laughs> she said it was affordable for people who don't want the high end jewelry. And I was like, oh, wow, this is what people spend on jewelry when it's affordable. I don't spend that much on jewelry. And that's yeah. why I didn't even bother looking at the more expensive stuff. But I was looking around at all the other stuff she has on her website. It looks like she sells her used clothing and bags and also her kids used clothing. Oh, you are kidding me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to go check it out. Oh my gosh, it's like Meredith Marks Blue Fly. I love it. Yeah. Well, that is a great way to sort of afford keeping your style up to date if you have to have like whatever's au courant for the season, I guess. I don't know. That's never been my problem. Anyway. <laughs> 
So now let's bring it down a notch because Whitney gets a message. She gets that terrible message that we saw foreshadowed last week. And this is her friend, Sherry, who has been intubated. Sherry and Whitney have been best friends since Whitney was 23 years old and she's been fighting cancer. So this is, this is a very real live PTC for Whitney right now. She is going through something really sad. There's a lot of tears. She talks about the conversation she had with Sherry, how Sherry knows that death is here. And it helps Whitney and Justin sort of realize their problems are kind of trivial. Them not seeing eye to eye is not so bad. And Whitney says, as long as we both want to stay married, we're okay. Justin grabs her hand, holds it. And Justin says, if we're willing to fight, we can get through anything. Says, so we're both still willing? I think so. I am. And Whitney says, and Whitney says, oh, they cut the rest of the scene. Mm -hmm. So, but we'll have to forgive her a lot in this episode. Mm -hmm because of what she's going through. So that sort of sets the scene. And and it's very hard, I think, when we have a, a real human and her family and all of her friends are out there in the world right now. And so it makes all of the viewers, I think, feel like, oh, we have to be considerate of that and respectful of that. So yeah, I had a lot of tear play in this scene as well, myself. And I really felt like Whitney was pulling it out this episode and last with the authentic and relatable drama, just in that she's bringing her real life and her real deep, difficult issues onto the screen in a very authentic way. And it's really incredible to see because I feel like a lot in the past, she's been a little more of the manufacture on the manufactured drama side. And so yes. to see her pulling us into what's really going on and these really deep, difficult things um, it's really got me. Yeah, I love it. I, it's also, you know, we we talked about that last episode, the the reality of marriage and the, the things that are hard in marriage. And that continues too in this scene, in this conversation. And I really, I really appreciate that openness and honesty that we're getting from her. So then we cut to Toscano restaurant where Lisa and Meredith are meeting up. We see a red high heel step out of the car. And when we pan out, it's Lisa wearing all red. And she has on slacks. Okay. They're front pleated pants. They are slacks. I'm sorry. When I saw, I loved all of the red, but I was like, those are grandma slacks. I didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> Meredith shows up in a dark in like dark blue leather head to toe. I actually and thought it was great fashion play from both of them. I didn't notice the flip flops either. This is why she was, I saw it when she sat down. She was wearing flip flops and I was like, dang, I like it <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of winter. Meredith is also wearing her own jewelry line, which she shows off to Lisa. Great self promotion play. And then Meredith asks Lisa if she and Monica got to a place of peace. And Lisa says she thinks so, but it's hard to have a conversation with Monica because she just keeps attacking. Meredith wants to clear the air and asks if Lisa told Angie that Meredith threatened her. We get a flashback clip of Meredith talking about the rumors and nastiness about her. You want me to go there with husband? I'm so sad we weren't recapping yet when this episode <laughs> aired. <laughs> Meredith put in such amazing play during that episode. I did see something, I think, on Instagram of somebody did a clip of Meredith's voice asking for security at that dinner. Can we get security? And it's like her <laughs> walking through the airport. <laughs> Meredith, again, is saying she never threatened Angie. She just said she knows the rumors and could speak on them if she wanted to. 
Lisa calls Meredith out and says, even if it wasn't a threat, she doesn't like what she said. It feels very icky and it's triggering. Meredith plays an apology of sorts here. She says, I'm sorry that it was triggering for you, but what I'm not going to do is have this hypocritical conversation. And she goes on from there, but I felt like that was the most important part for our apology rating scale, which I have pulled out of my pocket now. (laughs) (laughs) So just to remind everything we introduced, everybody, we introduced this apology rating scale last episode. The total possible points are five. You get one for taking accountability, actually saying the words, I'm sorry, or I apologize. You get one for being specific about what you're apologizing for. One point for acknowledging the impact, how that behavior affected the other person. One for committing to fix Um, saying how they would change the behavior going forward or actually fixing things in that moment. And then another one for checking in, either asking for forgiveness or for feedback, what they might be missing or what else they can do or say. And you can get minus points. You can get minus points for an excuse or um, a but or placing the blame elsewhere or a snarky tone or face play. I got to tell you, I have, and this will come up later. I have questions about extra credit because apparently I'm an easy grader. <laughs> like, if, oh man, do you're, you're we're know, on the same page because I may have I, given extra credit at some point coming up right? as well. <laughs> but because, yeah, if the recipient, if the recipient of the apology is head over heels in love with your apology, I feel like you can get a point for that, right? Even yes. if the actual apology itself doesn't meet the criteria. I know exactly what you're talking about it and, yep, about yep, it and we'll yep. talk about it later. <laughs> yep. So for this um, little uh, apology, if you can call it that from Meredith, I gave one point for taking accountability for saying, I'm sorry. One point for saying that it was triggering to Lisa, because I guess that's how it affected her zero points for everything else. And I gave her minus one for an excuse She says, but what I'm not going to do. And she goes on to explain lots and lots of excuses. And I'm giving her a minus point for her tone as well. So that makes this a zero point apology or what I'm going to refer to going forward as a non-apology. I'm going to keep with the faux apology. Oh, that's a good term. Yeah, I like faux apology. I'm sure I'm not the first one to come up with it, but but I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it from somebody else. So inside I have the pride of coming up with it. Um, I didn't even rate this one because it was such a steamrolled. Um, so I just, I guess, I guess I intuitively knew it was a zero. <laughs> I'd say, yeah, a zero or negative points would be a faux apology. So yeah. this officially puts this in that category. Meredith goes on to explain that Angie getting upset about Meredith's threat or non-threat or whatever we're calling it is the same thing as Monica getting upset at Lisa's blow up. Basically in her perspective, in, in Meredith's, in Meredith's perspective, both Monica and Angie are getting upset at someone for their reaction to their own bad behavior. And she says, this is manipulation and gaslighting. And now I'm kind of getting lost in like the long threads of all this conflict because I couldn't remember what the original bad behavior was that Monica had towards Lisa that justified Lisa's response, supposedly. Yeah, I think for Lisa, it's um, Lisa. Well, it's not that deep, whatever it is. (laughs) Remember that. It's not (laughs) that deep. I just can't remember what started things. Wasn't there like some some moment where that started? I feel, well, I, well that next scene, we'll tell you okay. when Monica and Mary Cosby are together, I will remind you. Okay. <laughs> I'll be patient. <laughs> um, and then I was trying to remember what ha- originally happened between Angie and Meredith. 
I, and that I don't remember. Okay. That must have been, I feel like that may have been season three, oh. maybe, or I don't know. But I just know that we started out in Palm Springs where Meredith did not invite Angie and Angie That's was right. showed up anyway and was just really in her grill. Lisa ITMs that the two situations are different and that Meredith took things up eight levels from Angie's original bad behavior. Lisa says there is nothing out there about Angie. Meredith says there is stuff out there, but it's just not true. And there's stuff out there about all of us that isn't true. <laughs> Lisa says such gr- great self-awareness, right? Meredith. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa says you can't make threats about it though. And Meredith again, says we can't call it a threat. By definition, that's wrong. And I wonder something in the way she is very adamant about not using the word threat. I'm like, oh, are we in some kind of potential lawyer up situation with slander mm. or libel? I mean, I guess technically you could say that she said I could ruin someone's life instead of saying I am going to ruin someone's life or I will ruin your life if blah, blah, blah. So Maybe you could argue that, but there was an implied threat. Lisa says that Whitney said Meredith literally said she could ruin Angie's life. Meredith says, I could ruin anyone's life. So could you. So could anyone under the sun. That doesn't mean you're going to. I think we need to hone in real quick. Who told Meredith what Lisa said? Whitney. Let's keep that in mind. Put that in your back pocket, listener, because that's important. Lisa tells Meredith she pumped the brakes on her friendship with her after Palm Springs because she didn't like her behavior. And Meredith asks if she pumped the brakes with Angie too then. She can't believe Lisa would would do that when Angie's behavior was much worse than hers. And she says, you're supporting her, but you're pumping the brakes with me. Lisa says she's not supporting her. This is great confrontation play from Meredith. This Mm -hmm. is great. She is not backing down. Like you're pumping it with me, but not with her. Mm -hmm. I thought that was, I thought that was great. And then Meredith says she is not the one bringing the tornado through, nor does she need to be because she knows karma comes back. Hey, is that a threat? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just wondering. (laughs) I thought that was a great line delivered perfectly for use in promos and all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she that's I bet we could. We could possibly put something up on Instagram or TikTok with that clip overlaid with something else. So good. So we go to commercial and then we come back to my favorite lady's house, Mary Cosby. And we have Monica showing up at Mary's house. There's a lot of adulation of each other. And of course, Monica has brought a gift. Everyone talks about how lovely the other one is, yada, yada. Monica ITMs. I wanted to check in on Mary. I missed her. I really wish she would have been at Pioneer Day. She could have had my back. And we all know Mary Cosby would have made an amazing pioneer. And that's a Zen moment to just sit there and think, what if Mary Cosby had been at Pioneer Day? I mean, she probably would have been in the corner not participating, but (laughs) that's true. She might have been she might have been out with a goat hanging out with one of the goats. I was just going to say they're not hanging out in the Dr. Seuss chairs this time at Mary's house, but I do just about to say, (laughs) but I do love these like high backed tufted white and black leather chairs that they're in. It's fabulous. They were beautiful. Yeah. And I was sort of, I kept watching in that scene. I was like, they're just on the other side of the table from the Dr. Seuss chairs. Why aren't they going to show us? Okay. I'm pretty sure because they were in the kitchen again where we, we saw them last time. Anyway, Mary says she is just trying 
trying to not lose her sanity. Um, and so it sounds like she is saying, I am not going to all these events because people are crazy. And we get, <laughs> get numerous flashbacks of, of Mary and her, her moments of losing her sanity. And my favorite, of course, is the one where she says, you called me a pornography. Uh, (laughs) She means to be saying to Whitney that Whitney called her a predator, but I just, it's (laughs) so rough to keep throwing that in Mary's face. There's a little conversation about Monica and Lisa and Mary holds Monica's feet to the fire a bit and says it is both Monica and Lisa that are causing the drama. And Monica says, I agree. That's true. And essentially, I just want to say that we get three pieces of advice from Mary Cosby in this scene. One, don't ever lose your mind to someone. And then take Lisa as she is. Holding a grudge hurts you and it eats at you. And you're wondering, what is the grudge? And why is Monica, like, what was the history with Monica and Lisa? And Monica brings up that it goes back to Palm Springs, where she called Lisa materialistic. Okay. Feels like ever since that moment, things haven't been right between the two of them. Yeah, Lisa Lisa does not take feedback well or... <laughs> criticism, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, even in a feedback sandwich, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get much from her, I think. And we get a great impression of Lisa from Monica again here in this scene. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, And she does what I see Lisa Barlow does do with like her speech though. Like she opens her mouth really wide when she talks, which I guess is really good if you're a singer. Uh. (laughs) It's great for face play. They both had great face play in this scene. They did. And uh, that does remind me that on, I don't know if you've put your favorite face plays, if you have separate face play um, on this episode, but I've posted four different face plays. Two of them are from, two of them are Heather in her first scene with Angie. And then another one is Mary because Mary's always given us big eyes and and fun faces. Mm -hmm. So I have some face play from her too on um, Insta. Real Housewives of Bend, Oregon. Go find it. Or Real Housewives of B1 on TikTok where I can't figure out how to put our chosen music under the scene. So I just got some Taylor Swift. (laughs) Nothing makes you feel older than putting Taylor Swift under a TikTok video. (laughs) It doesn't make you feel 22. No, I don't feel 22. um, But I really know what she means about that. But in my mind, I'm like 30 because those were, that was my party year, I guess. Gotcha. Mary's last piece of advice is when you apologize, you have to mean it with them. I like the way she's, she calls them them. (laughs) And then we get a nice little ITM from Monica. Mary gives great advice, but she doesn't take it. Those who can't do teach. (laughs) And I hate that saying in general, but I thought it was very funny in this context because I do think, and and she wasn't talking about her as, um, as a player, but I think of her as a player. She's, she's got all the great, Mary has all the great ingredients to be an epic player, but she just doesn't execute well. And she makes a lot of errors. Yes. I know Monica's going to her for life advice, not player advice, but I think the same statement holds true if she was going to her for player advice. I agree. So then, um, We cut to Whitney on the phone driving. We got a lot of driving Whitney scenes so far. And Whitney's getting a call from Angie. And Angie says, I'm so sorry for your loss. Whitney is crying. Um, And we find out that Sherry died. And Whitney says, I've never lost anyone I've loved so much. She ITMs that she's been in a fog. 
She thanks Angie for calling. And there's this question of whether or not Whitney should go to Meredith's event um, for her new jewelry. And she says, you know, Sherry's the type of person who would go to the event. Sherry came to my PRISM event a week before she died. I think they decide basically that, you know, Sherry, Sherry would have wanted her to go. So she's going to go. Angie says she's here for you, here for her, loves her, all of that. And I thought, A, we've got, again, our real-time ETC happening. And it almost feels awful to have it on screen Um, And to be a part of this. And then we also had some beautiful camera work that I wanted to recognize at the end of that scene, because we have the exterior shot of Whitney's car and it goes to a stop sign while the camera keeps going. Mm. And so it's, it's almost that, um, so excited to be putting my film theory minor to use. It's almost as if, you know, the camera is Sherry kind of right and, mm. and going on into a different plane while Whitney is there. Mm. I love the idea that Sherry is somewhere inspiring Whitney to keep playing the game, like keep going yeah. to the events, keep showing up. Right. And uh, yeah, Whitney just keeps delivering these authentic moments. Um, my heart goes out to her for her loss and everyone else affected because that it was just rough. I had definitely had more tear play during this scene. Yeah. So then we take a right sharp turn. right turn <laughs> to modern missionary menswear. I never thought a story, a store like this would have existed, but here it is. That did I miss that? Is that what the store was called? Modern, modern missionary? missionary menswear. And Lisa's walking in with her gaudy blue fur and Lisa and John and Jack are there and they're buying some clothes for Jack's mission to Columbia. Lisa's face lights up when the salesman says that they have some slacks that are stretchy like Lululemon. She's like, oh, that's a brand that I recognize. She wants Jack to wear this teal blazer that she's found or a maroon one. Um, But the salesman says that's not for proselytizing. He pronounces that weird. Am I saying it right? Yeah. He said like proselyting or something like it was, I I also (laughs) had that moment. I was like, wait, what did he say? (laughs) Um, he's, and they said that's more for prom. So I was like, is there a, is this, is there a a prom after mission or is that do people also go to the store when they're shopping for when they're Mormons and they're shopping for high school prom? I don't, I was a little confused on that. I don't know. Mysteries. He says that they generally want them to dress more on the conservative side. Meanwhile, Lisa asks them to put her gaudy blue fur coat somewhere. This is so good. (laughs) Jack (laughs) goes over his packing list. Lisa wants him to choose the brown pants because it's totally jungle chic. I like how she also mentions that he might get chubby on his mission. So we should also get some pants and a size up, which I sort of had that moment of like, how is he going to get chubby? He's going to be like on his feet. Walking, yeah. 18 hours a day. And she's not going to be feeding him fast food all the time anymore. Yeah. Lisa says, we don't need to forget fashion just because we're on a mission. (laughs) Jack comes out of the dressing room in an outfit and Jack says his mom is a lot. He says that he loves her so much, but he needs the space. Um, apparently Lisa told Jack stories of getting into Russian mobsters limos when she was 18. And so, and he says, so she left the nest and now he needs to also. And Lisa says, it's still going to be hard. I really want, I want to see that episode. I want to see an episode where we reenact Lisa's 18 year old life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's, uh, that's interesting. I felt like we needed to be here more there. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, Lisa produces tears. She ITMs that Jack is doing something that's important to him and that he's serving others. She recalls to him that when he was little, Jack said that his heart beats to mom, to mom, to mom. Jack sticks out his lower lip in face play and maybe also produces tears. Jack says when he comes back, she won't look at him like a little baby, but as an adult. John asks, what's the over under on how long until Lisa stops crying after Jack leaves? And he says a week. Jack says up until he comes home. And Lisa says pretty much. I think one of the things that was uh, just above and beyond this little snapshot into who Lisa Barlow is, we saw her ITMing that Jack is going on this mission for TRR, for the right reasons. He wants to share love and kindness. Juxtaposed with Jack repeatedly talking about, I need to get away from you. I need to be seen as an adult. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I come back from a poor country, I will be able to appreciate all of this so much more, which to me felt very 40WR. I question, I'm not saying it's all for TWR, but I think there's a lot of secondary gain that Jack sees in going on this mission. Sure. Yeah. That it's actually more about himself and not all the people he would be proselyting to. (laughs) Because that's what it sounded like to me when the guy said it. I don't know. I don't know if he would get my bystander of the week over the waiter at... (laughs) <laughs> uh, Meredith and Lisa's meeting earlier because that waiter, he was pretty smoking hot. Oh, is that is that how we're judging bystanders of the week now? I just feel like maybe he's like the cousin of a producer or something. <laughs> and like, they're just trying to get him started in the business somehow. I'm giving it to this guy, the salesman who had to rein Lisa in because she kept trying to <laughs> To, to put him in the teal blazer and the and the red the red crazy coat everything that's not conservative oh well from there we go to heather and monica this is a little bit of a pre-game for the meredith marks event heather has on this was my fashion play of the week i loved mm. what heather was wearing here it was sort of this gray top and skirt it had almost like the texture was totally different but sometimes you see um, in Indian women, they're like formal sari dresses have sort of Mm. that type of fit where there's just a little bit of very tasteful midriff showing. It looked really great. And the color was good on her. The texture, the fabric was really good. The shoes in the bag and all went together. Loved it. Yeah. I I wasn't that into it when I first saw it in the shot, but later in the party, I was like, oh, you know what? I do kind of like that. Yeah. I thought it was really, exactly. I thought, I thought that was a really great outfit. Monica shows up wearing something that wasn't as noticeable, Mm -hmm. but it looked good. She still looked good. She looked very tasteful. Everton always looks good. Right. Heather asks Monica if she is going to Bermuda and Monica says no. Just kidding. Yes. She says, yes. (laughs) Heather seems genuinely awkward. Like, well, I didn't know. I felt bad after the pioneer lunch. Then Heather says, you know, you were dishing it out. You have to learn to take it. And I was trying to guide you with tough love, which might explain some of that feeling of how Heather was super manipulative in Mm -hmm. those moments. It may have been that she just sort of felt like I need to push Monica to do the right thing here. Mm -hmm. Heather says, I won't do that again. 
And when she said, if you're going to dish it out, you have to learn to take it. Monica says, that's fair. I agree. Mm -hmm. And that I feel like from that moment is when we start actually a lot of this apology. So Mm -hmm. working through our rubric, Monica was a nice, slow and steady delivery. She says, I owe you the biggest apology. I'm so honored to do this with you. And I completely let you down. She has taken accountability. That's one point. Yep. She is specific, I think. When we have the dish it out, you've got to be able to take it. And she says, that's fair. So I gave her half a point for specificity because it was clearly brought up in the conversation what had happened, but um, she does acknowledge the impact. I let you down. Her commitment to fix, Heather had to ask her about that. So that's half a point. And then the check-in, I sort of feel like is kind of the cheersing and the repeating, what should we do? Be nice, not be mean, things like that. So I gave that half a point as well. So she gets a 3.5 on this apology. Okay. Uh, What did you think? I only gave her a two. Oh, I am an easy grader. <laughs> I gave her one for impact, one for accountability. I I guess I can see the the half a point because later in the conversation, there's a little bit more of a commitment to fix. So I'll bring mine up to a 2.5. Okay. Yeah. But you still don't feel like the dishing it out got to take, you don't think there was enough specificity for half a point there? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to... <laughs> Trying to get the grader to change her grade here. Okay, so 2.5 versus 3.5. I'm an easy grader. We'll just see. <laughs> um, Heather, well, so I will say this. I think part of my grade is also like Heather takes that apology really quickly. And I feel like that conversation was sort of cut off kind of in an editing booth. Yes. Like there was probably a lot more there that we didn't get to see. And so I felt like there must have been like, I feel like Monica probably did more. Yes, it did sound like she was going to say more after I completely let you down and they just cut it off right there. Um, But I feel like we have to rate what we see. And all we saw was what we saw. And maybe that's because the producers only wanted us to see that. But what the producers wanted us to see in my mind was a 2.5 pointer. Okay. And I I agree. Like we cannot grade you. um, Like if she doesn't show the work, like a math problem, then we can't (laughs) grade her for the work. It'd be be really sucky though, if you were like filling out your math test and the producer comes over and erases your work, but. (laughs) (laughs) That would be awful. Um, Which is why Bravo TV is not administering math tests. (laughs) Among many reasons. But this, we talked last week about Monica and our concerns that she was alienated. She was all alone. And how is this going to work out? And we're seeing she's she's getting herself back in. Yeah, she's starting to try and make the repairs, it appears. Yeah, this is what we needed. So then let's go upstairs to a show me the money play from Meredith Marks, uh, where we have a soft intro to her collection that is fun and affordable for those that can't afford her fine jewelry line. Meredith's wearing this yellow dress shirt bodysuit with a silver metal belt. I like that. I thought that was good fashion play. I did too. I'm not a bit like yellow looks terrible on me personally. And so I don't gravitate towards yellow clothing, but I thought she looked really good. We have Heather and Monica coming in and we have just this beautiful moment where Heather presents Monica with a gift, which is her butter. Heather finished her (laughs) butter. Meredith is so genuinely tickled by this. It's such a nice moment of authentic enjoyment and happiness out of Meredith. I loved it. Lisa arrives. Jack has on a suit that is almost great, but is 
actually not. Um, I did not dig it. Uh, then Whitney shows up. Um, Whitney gets the TFP. She's the last one to arrive. I had to go back and watch it again because Angie never comes because she wasn't invited. Uh, Whitney's the last one. And, you know, I mean, she does have like this, this big PTC she's bringing with her to the event. So, yes, yes. So you're right. She does get the TFP. I didn't even um, and- stop to, to rate that. And we haven't mentioned what the TFP is in a while. The TFP or the tardy for the party is awarded to the last player to arrive to an event. Uh, We know that always the producers tell the women when to arrive at events and they will often have the person embroiled in the most drama or the person who, you know, has the most to provide. They will have them arrive last to the event. And so that's why we uh, award them with the tardy for the party, which is named after, of course, the tardy for the party song that was made really big on uh, those first few seasons of Real Housewives of Atlanta. A franchise I have yet to go back and enjoy. (laughs) You have so much. (laughs) I'm a little jealous. Uh, You have like so much still to enjoy. Yeah, so much content to dig into for Housewives that you've never seen that. Oh, it's a great place to be. Whitney shows up. Whitney, um, Meredith comes up to Whitney and uh, immediately Meredith can sense something is wrong. And she asks Whitney... She reveals that Sherry died last night. And there's just the most genuine, beautiful hug that Meredith gives Whitney. And I thought it was so interesting. We find out that Meredith is basically the last person to know this. Mm. And she is the one we get to see give the most heartfelt support. So there's yeah. some some tear play from both. And Meredith is just genuinely sorry. Yeah, I feel like in this moment, we get to see Whitney closer with Meredith because of that authentic drama play that she's doing this season. Absolutely. And Meredith even ITMs that she feels so horrible for Whitney, but it means so much to her that she would come to the event. Monica gives Whitney a little hug too and a little, I got you, girl. Um, We see that. We see Whitney chatting. I can't decide if I should drink or not. And some somebody asks, well, you know, what would Sherry want? And she says, Sherry would want me dancing on the tables. Mm-hmm. Um, so Heather comes up. She needs to give Whitney a hug. And we get some very Heather advice. Compartmentalize it. Just put it in a little box and yes. don't deal with it. That, that seems... In some ways, it's very like Winnie the Pooh, live in the moment, the Tao of Pooh. But it's also really bad Heather advice. Like, let's just not deal with this. From what my understanding with, uh, you know, Mormon religion and culture is that that's a, that's a heavy piece to it. Yeah. Just shove it down. Yeah. Everything must look perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You read Heather's book. So you have more insight into her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on my hug authenticity report, based on those hugs that we just saw, Meredith definitely won. <laughs> okay. Lisa comes over with her hands full of things. She's got gifts for Heather that she must give Heather. She's got some like weed accessories, some cannabis. I don't even know. Then we have a little Whitney Rose flashback to her hashing it out with Lisa about the prism event behavior and Whitney saying, thought we moved on. Lisa was the first person I reached out to, to let her know about Sherry And for her to ignore what I am going through right now is very hurtful. So Whitney is standing there next to Heather. Lisa has her hands full and comes up. And the person she addresses is Heather. 
And then we break for commercial. I had to go back and watch it again because I was like, I didn't feel like Lisa ignored her. And so so I looked, I watched it back. She looks right into Whitney's eyes and talks to her when she's giving Heather the Canada's presence. So she wasn't ignoring her, but I, you know, right. we'll, we'll see later when they're fighting. It's, it's more about the fact that she didn't say anything about her loss. Right. And I also had that though. When I first watched it, I felt like... Uh, it's, it was this very tricky place. I was like, Whitney, you've got this PTC going on in your life and maybe you are misplacing your anger and your hurt and your feelings. But Lisa had her hands full of something that she probably had been waiting for a while and hadn't had a chance to see Heather that she wanted to give to Heather that was like a goofy little gift left over right. from the book signing thing. You know, so it just, it felt like MDS. It felt like manufactured drama out of yes. wits. So we cut to commercial, we come back, we're getting more show me the money play shots of the fancy bar and the caviar and the gazpacho shooters. And Seth tells someone, the more you buy, the more you save. Honestly, Seth probably does deserve bystander of the week, but I don't know our family members bystanders. I don't think so. That's part of why I haven't really been giving out a bystander award because I haven't really clarified in my head, like what makes a good bystander and who can be a bystander who can't because yeah. there's so many more external players in housewives than there are in bachelor bachelorette where it's like very few outsiders come in and in here, there's just so much. And so I still haven't wrapped my head around the best way to like judge the play of people who aren't housewives. Yeah. We see people milling around and shopping. Whitney and Monica are looking at jewelry together and Lisa joins them and asks what they're looking at. And Whitney is immediately annoyed and she excuses herself to go say hi to John and Seth. Monica plays an apology to Lisa. And this is separated into two parts. They kind of, she starts to apologize, then they talk a little bit more, and then she finishes the apology. So I'm getting to the apology rating, fear not. She says, this is genuine. When we had our first lunch together, I really felt excited to have a relationship with you and to be able to bond. And I think we just got so far left and it got so ugly and I'm owning my part in that. I fight very dirty and say things I don't mean. Lisa says she doesn't want it to ever go that low again. And Monica says, I agree. And I respect you. You do a lot of things that I admire. Like truly you're an amazing mom. And Lisa says, you're really good at apologizing, uh, which I think Lisa just likes people to compliment her. <laughs> you think <laughs> we can talk about it in a minute. Monica says Lisa has a senior and knows what she's going through. And Lisa tells her Jack is going to Columbia. And Monica says her dad is Colombian and she produces tears and says that side of her is missing. That's a little PTC from Monica. Mm -hmm. I like it. Yep. Lisa talks about how they've both been through trauma and Monica goes back into the apology. And that's why I apologize because I need to learn a different way because that's how I was raised. Lisa says, we're fine. We're fine. So breaking down this apology play. Wait, wait. Lisa says we're fine. Monica says I feel good. And Lisa says, okay, I always have to double check. Okay. Which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> Which just to me speaks to the amount of shit Lisa has stepped in in her <laughs> relationships. That she's and like her lack of awareness of other people's emotions. I'm like, mm, I could talk about this uh on the Myers Briggs personality type model. <laughs> <laughs> just briefly, I'll say that I'm pretty sure Lisa, I would put her as an ESFP and ESPs in the Myers-Briggs, they lead with this function called extroverted sensing. And it's all about what's happening in the moment. And they get very caught up in what's happening in the moment. Like what can I see, smell, see, hear, and taste right now? 
And anything below that or under that, they don't tend to pay attention to, at least not easily or well. Interesting. And so like looking below for like, is someone suffering right now? Is there something behind the behavior? Is there something deeper going on? Is just not their natural inclination. And I think that's where Lisa gets into a lot of trouble with people because she just is like, we're having fun right now. Oh, you're suffering. Let me, oh, I didn't. Okay, hold on. I don't know. know. (laughs) Walk away, walk away. (laughs) So for the apology, I gave this one for accountability. I gave her a half a point for specificity. You are a really tough reader. <laughs> I gave her a half a point for impact. Wow. Um, one point for commit to fix and zero for check-in and no what? minus points. So it was a three out of five, but I'm giving her a bonus point for knowing her audience because she knew who she was apologizing to and how to get back on their goods on her good side. And she really delivered that. And Lisa loves it because of all the compliments. So I gave it a bonus point and I'm giving it a four overall, a four out of five. Wow. And I almost felt like, cause Lisa gave that snarky ITM about like, keep it coming. Like I'm holding you back, but keep the compliments coming. So I thought, <laughs> boy, I really felt there was a commitment to fix, uh, or no, no, no. It was an acknowledging the impact she says we first met, this has set them sideways and her behaviors have set them sideways. Yeah. That's why I give her a half. (laughs) Well, what else is it? it Because it was like, that doesn't really talk about how that might've made Lisa feel. It was like, it set their relationship sideways, but why? Okay. So the impact in your mind needs to acknowledge how it's hurt the other person. Yeah. If for a full point, yeah, she got a half a point. She kind of went, she went halfway there. (laughs) And then the check-in, like Lisa says, we're fine. And Monica says, I feel good. And Lisa has to double check. Yeah, but Lisa <laughs> checked in. Monica didn't so check in. That, yeah, Lisa, Lisa didn't of... say, Lisa didn't say like, are we good? Is there anything else that I can do to make this better? Like there was no. Yeah. Yeah. The, okay. 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 Um, and we saw that with the Heather apology as well. That it, like some, I gave half points for where Heather kind of instigated that part of the apology out of Monica. Yeah. Well, I suppose I shouldn't have been so easy on her because I gave her five stars. (gasps) Wow. A five star apology. Well, I have to say that for my four out of five and your five out of five on the apology play, this apology slash flattery play by Monica to get back on Lisa's good side was my play of the game. I love it. That's awesome. Uh, Monica needed to get back in with at least one of the women and she attempts to do it in multiple ways this episode, but I thought this was the most effective one. She came to apologize. Like that was, and I, I don't know if that was the producers or her own self-awareness, but something, a little bug got in her ear that said at this event, I've got to make it all good because I'm going to Bermuda. (laughs) Um, Seth has a little bit with Heather about who her ideal man is. Lisa pulls Whitney and tries to talk to her about her lunch with Meredith. This is like the prism event all over again. Like I got to talk to you about my problems right now. I don't care about what's going on with you. Oh, cringe. Yes. And Whitney says she 
just lost her best friend and life's too short. And she doesn't have the capacity to deal with that right now. I thought this might've been a producer send in. Oh, that they pushed Lisa to go talk. They've already got it from Whitney that Whitney's upset with Lisa for not addressing it. And they're like, Lisa, now would be a good time for you to talk about with someone about the fact about how that lunch went with Meredith. Whitney's over there. Go talk to her. (laughs) That's kind of vomitous. Like, why would they do that to Whitney? That's so rude. Except we got some gold out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Whitney wants to say more, but Monica interrupts to bring them over and give everyone Bermuda rum and what did you call it? Melashas? Yeah, I can't. I, I, I meant to look it up because the, there are a lot of really famous Portuguese pastries that I learned about. Um, and that was not one of them. Oh, well, in any case, she gives them Portuguese pastries. She tells them about her family living in Bermuda and they're totally playing like fool music over this, like circus music. <laughs> I'm like, why are they doing that right now? She ITMs that because she didn't know her dad, that half of her history is missing. And so therefore she treasures any insight she has into where she came from. And again, through this whole thing, they're playing that like fool music. Like they're trying to make her sound ridiculous. It's another PTC, which is nice. Do you think it's supposed to be pirate music? Like Bermuda pirate music or something or no? I didn't <laughs> notice the music in no, the scene. No, it didn't sound like that at all. It sounded like they were trying to like make fun of her, what she's trying to take seriously. Well, that's just kind of rude. They all cheers to Bermuda. Monica has kind of a third part to her apology here. And she says she put a lot of thought into this because she really did want to apologize. I thought this was more like in the commit to fix category. Heather, as a veteran player, says, you did it. Good job. Right. I I did like that. (laughs) Yeah, we see a vet player taking a rookie player under her wing and coaching her. Yes, you did it. We're supposed to get excited about the cast trip and you made up with everyone like nice work. And I will tell you, there's an interesting thing to catch in this moment in all of this little bit of a montage is at one point when Monica is speaking or something is going on, you see Right behind her, Heather and Whitney laughing about something. Like you see it in their Mm. faces and their bodies. So there's this moment of Whitney getting to enjoy some lightness, which Mm. I I find, which of course is totally natural and appropriate, but it's just, you know, you know, we we know that shit's about to fly. We get more shots of Meredith's jewelry. Whitney is telling Meredith's son, Brooks, that she's never lost a friend. He hugs her and says he's so sorry. Monica is seen giving Angie's box because she didn't come. <laughs> because she wasn't yeah, invited. and Monica, Monica was like, yeah, the other woman didn't show up. Like, does she not <laughs> know that Meredith didn't invite her? I don't know. So she's giving Angie's box of Portuguese pastries and bottle of rum away to a random party goer. There's more, more of that music here. That and I'm I'm like I don't know if this is because they're trying to give her like a fool edit or a villain edit, but either way, it seems to be like they're they're telling us don't take this person seriously. I wonder how much of they know of what's going on off screen post filming now and what's coming up on the reunion and is going to be talked about on the reunion and they are trying to skew things a certain way. Delicious. Lisa asks Whitney if she's doing okay. Whitney says no. Lisa says she knows dealing with death is difficult and she's sorry she lost someone so important to her. Whitney tells her it hurt her that Lisa walked right past her to Heather with gifts. And we see Monica make this great face play as she overhears. She like turns her lips down and stretches her mouth in this taut line. (laughs) And this was my face play of the game. Oh, nice. 
And it wasn't as much the visual of the faceplate that made me choose it, but the timing of it, because she got in the cameras during a moment that was just between Lisa and Whitney. Um, and Lisa tries to hug Whitney, but she shrugged off and she says, I'm sorry about that, Whitney. And we cut to commercial, not knowing if, if this is going to be a good enough apology play or not. I think we know when we come back from commercial (laughs) and we get a three second rewind on that fight that this is not a good apology. Nothing is going well. I didn't even, I did not rate this. This didn't even rise to, so see, in some ways I am a tough grader because this didn't even (laughs) rise to the level of apology. Uh, It was more than a faux apology. I, you gave it something. I did. Well, well, I'll let you go one more here and then I'll tell you what I gave it. Okay. Well, because first we have to talk about mental calculators and abacai, (laughs) abacai, abacuses. Lisa says, I can't keep a mental calculator about everything going on with everyone. And Whitney ITMs, I've been talking about this with you for the last five days. I texted you last night. Does she need an abacus to keep track of that? And she calls her bitch. And this is the second Mm. time in this episode, we have had one player calling another one a bitch in an ITM. And I'm going to be honest, I don't like it. Yeah. You know what? We don't need it. We can find more creative insults. Yes, we don't need it. Um, And then I just wanted to ask, do you keep track of people and events on your calculator? (laughs) Keep track of everything in a spreadsheet. We already talked about this. We're back to math again. (laughs) I gave her one point for accountability because she says, I'm sorry. I gave her one for impact. She says, it wasn't about my lack of concern for you, Whitney. You're always important. That should have been a half point. She kind of, she kind of glosses over kind of quickly that like maybe Whitney didn't think that she was concerned about her. So I'm going to, I'm downgrading that to a half a point. And then I gave her zero for specificity, zero commit to fix, zero check-in. And then I gave her a minus one for making an excuse because right after that right afterwards she says i can't but i can't keep a a a mental calculator so it was a half point apology (laughs) a half point apology which is just a step above the faux apology though we basically get this sort of quid pro quo argument from whitney she stresses you were the first person i texted and therefore you should be coming to me first at this event i guess Whitney should get a reward from Lisa because she told Lisa first. And so, like I said earlier, this does seem a lot like Whitney is just misplacing her grief over a friend and laying it on Lisa's doorstep. And is she jealous of Lisa and Heather? I think it goes back last episode. There was that phone call when Lisa was over at Whitney's and Heather called to ask Lisa to sing at the event and Lisa actually calls this out too. And, you know, I'm just making sure, I'm just making sure it's not about that. Lisa ITMs, I just didn't want to say anything to upset Whitney because I don't know how she reacts to grief in public, which, which is, is fair, which is totally fair. And that's a totally legit. And that's kind of what I felt. Lisa is really bad at dealing with emotions and she is uncomfortable with other people's emotions. She, of course, is not going to be the one who comes up to Whitney in public and deals with that. And that's why it felt very MDSy out of Whitney. You know, Whitney keeps coming back with this, like, you were the first person I texted last week. You know, you and Heather were at each other's throats and had a major problem with each other. I don't know what this Lisa Heather fight was a week ago. Listener, Sandra is also looking perplexed. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know what that is. And so, so there's a lot of confusion for the viewer about why Whitney is upset that Lisa and Heather are friends, which... 
looks a lot like Lisa being upset with Angie and Monica being friends. So we've got a lot of nice parallels running in this season. Whitney says, you know, you rubbed it in my face. It felt fake. Like, why are you giving her a gift when I'm your good friend? And Lisa's like, I sent flowers to your house. And Whitney says, I don't want flowers. I want want you. you. Which felt like this should have been more of a romance fight (laughs) than anything. Yeah, she's, she's feeling like she needs more out of her friend. Lisa says, nobody wants you leaving because Whitney is leaving. And we have a very nice comedic moment. We've got, you know, people in the party that are doing this edit show that people are noticing Lisa and Whitney fighting. And then we've got Monica and Heather looking at the jewelry, I think. And Monica says, Whitney and Lisa just stormed up. Heather says, why? Monica says, I don't know. I'm just glad it's not me today. (laughs) Anyway, Whitney says, everything is about you. I just needed you to be there for me. And Lisa is just, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm so like, she's just trying to like give what Whitney needs right now without kind of addressing. Yeah. But she doesn't know how to do it. She's, you can tell she's just like very frustrated and out of her element. She's like, I feel like I need to fix this, but I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing. I just don't know how. Yeah. And then Whitney storms off. And that leads us to our amazing hot mic. I'm calling him a B3 now, a bravo, (laughs) bravo, bravo moment. Mm -hmm. Is motherfucker, fuck this, fuck this. Like literally, she is so (laughs) angry. And there, they had said they needed to check her mic. They've got her in the back room. And then you hear her say, we'll see about putting people first. Why not see about keeping your mouth shut? Boom. This was my error of the week. Because what just happened there, Lisa is pissed off at Whitney. It was Whitney who told Meredith, God, what was something about the threat? (laughs) Something about, yeah, like how you could destroy their lives or whatever. So I felt like that was the error because Lisa is, is, is really underneath the surface. Maybe she is actually ignoring Whitney on purpose because she's kind of pissed about Mm -hmm. Whitney having screwed up her friendship with Meredith, even though they're pumping the brakes, which reminds me, we skipped over when Meredith gave her little intro speech at the at her event, when she's introducing her line, she talks about how Seth has supported her and is so great. Yes. Never put the brakes on. And they <laughs> even, even cut to Lisa and it goes right over Lisa's head. Cause she just kind of looks like, Oh, looks at that Seth. What a nice husband. Anyway, beautiful hot mic moment. And for instigating that delicious little moment, I'm awarding Whitney's confrontation play here as the play of the week. Okay. MDS or not, that play gave us our error of the week. So she forced an error. I thought it was just Mm. beautiful. She did. She really put Lisa in a position. She got us all excited about this week because this was in the promo. I can't say I still really understand what's going on and (laughs) Which one of them is mad at each other for what? But it was exciting. And now we want to know what's going to happen next. So that was that that was credits rolling on all of that, that moment, which was uh, who doesn't love. I love when you get pro- like production crew people in the shots mm-hmm. when we break that fourth wall. I mm-hmm. really, really love it. So next week we find out we're going to Bermuda. 
everyone is cheering. They're laughing. They're happy. All of our housewives are joy. And then we have previews that there's going to be anger in a van and anger at a dinner, um, which is <laughs> anger in a van. You know, they could have called real housewives <laughs> anger in a van for all the fights that happen in these like sprinter vans that they take them around in. Exactly. That was, I just sort of said that and I was like, Oh my God, this is basically every trip is there's going to be a dinner where people are yelling at each other and there's going to be anger in a van. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So our anger here is that Meredith doesn't have a bathtub and she's really upset. And Lisa has a view and she's not giving up her view to give Meredith a room with a bathtub. (laughs) Heather then asks Lisa how she and Whitney are doing. And then we've got a dinner scene where Whitney confronts Lisa. You hurt my feelings. Lisa argues back. I guess you have this conversation with Heather that you're trying to help me be a better person because I'm so selfish. And Whitney has kind of a huh. Heather says like, no, you said that you have hard conversations with Lisa. And then we get Heather, shut the fuck up. She won't even let Heather defend herself. It's coming. Well, who out of all that, who was your MVP? My MVP, I'm going to give it to Meredith because Meredith showed great confrontation with Lisa at the lunch, like twice. She confronted her, put her feet to the fire. Mm -hmm. She had a great hug with Whitney. That was a beautiful hug. And she did not, as you pointed out with your air of the week, invite Angie to her event. Mm -hmm. She threw a great show me the money event that allowed for a shit storm to occur, which (laughs) made the episode great. She did do a lot. And there's a lot of like promotion play and stuff like that. She was definitely showing herself as a powerhouse this episode. Yes. Yes. However, she did not get my MVP. No, no. For her hilarious impression of Lisa Barlow, for her multiple (laughs) apology plays, including her amazing four point apology play that I gave her five point for you to Lisa and for her always incredibly spot on face play, Monica was my MVP. As we both said before, I, we really felt like she needed to bring it this episode. Just things were slipping the last couple episodes. She needed to reflect on her behavior, show some growth, make some good apology play, get excited about the cast trip. And I didn't think she could do it, but she did. She did everything right to come back from her like wet blanket self last episode. And on that note, I would like to issue my own apology play to Monica. Oh, Monica, I apologize for doubting you in the last couple of episodes, my assumptions that you were headed in a bad direction appear to have been incorrect. And I acknowledge that this may have sullied your reputation as a player. I hope that I have fixed this by acknowledging your play this episode, and I will not doubt you going forward. Monica, please write in or come in as a guest on the podcast and let me know how you are feeling about this and how I can better and more accurately analyze your play moving forward. Mic drop. <laughs> Sandra gets a six from Woo! me. <laughs> that was wonderful. Oh my goodness. It's been a long time since I have so anxiously and eagerly, eager is more appropriate than anxious. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> I've so eagerly awaited an episode of something because in mm. our world, everything is usually just dropped all at once, right? 
So I, I love that every every Tuesday night I go to bed so excited because tomorrow I get to watch the next episode. Well, I can't wait to catch the next one and see how this all plays out. I love I always love a cast trip. I can't wait for what did you call it? Anger in a van. <laughs> Anger in a van. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess we'll catch you all next time right here. <laughs>